ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome to January. Um, we've been here a while now, but welcome, welcome. Um, I'm Alana Ray. <laughs> and I'm Mama J. And um, we're bringing you our daily, or not our daily, our weekly Wednesday episode. Um, are you drinking anything special, Mama? Yeah, tonight I had an old recipe tin, um, and that was before we recorded because I took myself out for a little pizza and a beer. Nice. Um and I think the bartender didn't realize that when you order that strong of a beer, it's supposed to be in a smaller glass. And he gave oh. me a full pint. Um, and I really think he should have given me the smaller glass. <laughs> is it that was delicious? Is that your what the ale moment for the week as well? Tied into one. <laughs> you know, it probably could be, but the pizza was really good. I got my pepperoni and jalapeno, and it was actually very good. So. Um, and then the waitress brought me ranch without me asking, which was awesome. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> nice. What a wonderful, yeah. wonderful time. We love pizza. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Drinking anything? Yeah, I'm having a Stone Sublimely Self-Righteous Black IPA. Um, Ooh, Sublimely Self-Righteous. Yeah, and it's like a darker beard. Like you can't really tell... Um, because it's in a darker bottle, but it's like a dark beer, but it's an IPA. So it's it's interesting. I like it, though. Huh. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, I like it. I think it's not super hoppy. Maybe you'd like it. We'll see. Maybe you'll try a sip of mine someday. Okay. Um, okay. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let me think of a what the ale moment since you did yours. Oh, Okay, so I got one of those water bottles that like tells it, it's basically like you have to drink the whole water bottle by the end of the day. It has your like full serving of water for the whole day. And I yeah. started drinking out of that yesterday. And my goodness, I must have been really dehydrated because I cannot stop peeing. I have been oh. hydrated. <laughs> um, maybe TMI for our listeners out there, but uh, yeah, that is been an interesting adjustment to my life but I'm trying to hydrate more because water is important <laughs> that's funny you know I drink so much water when I'm at my office that I think if I got one of those bottles I would be shocked to see that I finish it by half the day because <laughs> I drink a lot of water when I'm at work it's like this big though mom it's like it's like a foot and a half tall and like a grapefruit around <laughs> so big oh wow <laughs> I've been I I I mean, obviously I didn't bring it home from work with me today. So I was able to get through like two thirds of it before I left my office. So I did, I did pretty well as long as I keep drinking water. But uh, <laughs> is that one of your New Year's resolutions is to drink more water? I just think that's a good resolution in general. I think I drink a lot of things with caffeine. So like trying to work more water in there is probably good for headaches and things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Well, it is my episode, so I guess we can get into it. <laughs> All right. What you got for us? Well, um, I had an original plan, and then my original plan needed a lot more research than I had the capacity for, so I did a different plan. <laughs> okay. 
I have decided to do the Black Dahlia murder, unsolved murder case. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. Did you also do that? I was also planning to do the Black Dahlia. <laughs> so we can compare notes. <laughs> wonderful wow <laughs> the first on the what the well, and mine was I was gonna do something else and then I was like you know I feel like for the first episode of January for me I wanted to do something bigger and so I was like oh black dolly is on my list so I did my research for that too <laughs> <laughs> oh man I'm so sorry I didn't know that, man. <laughs> okay. So. That's okay. Awkward. Aco taco. But we can, that's fun though. Cause then you can like put in some little jabbies about things you read. Okay. That'll be a fun little collaborative there. Yes, it will be. <sighs> okay. All right. So the Black Dahlia. Um, so on January 15th of 1947, Betty Bersinger was on a walk with um, one of her kids and she stumbled on the remains of a young woman who was sliced in half at the waist near Limart Park in Los Angeles. Um, and before we really get into the description of this body um, and this human, I do want to say very clearly there is very severe, severe, severe mutilation of this woman's body. I'm just telling the story because it does um, factor in a bit to the theories. And so I'm going to go into a little bit of detail, but I will do it as quick as I can. So like skip a few seconds ahead if you must. Um, but so the body was a few feet from the sidewalk and it was posed in a way that the witness actually believed it was a mannequin. Um, and like I mentioned before, there was extensive mutilation of the body, um, but it had been washed and there was absolutely no blood at the scene. So that suggested that she had been killed elsewhere. Um, so aside from being neatly cut in half, some of her organs, like her intestines, had been completely removed and placed under her buttocks. Um, she had several pieces of flesh that were cut away from her thighs and arms and um they found feces in her stomach and the LAPD believe that she was forced to eat the fecal matter before she was killed. Um, she also had um, her mouth was sliced from the corners of her mouth all the way to her ears, kind of in a Joker like smile. Um, and her ultimate cause of death was cerebral hemorrhaging and shock which makes a lot of sense because it does seem like she had been like beaten and tortured um mm -hmm. and so outside of the body at the crime scene they did find a heel print and then a cement sack which could have transported her remains near the crime scene um and they were having a little trouble identifying her the lapd so they called on the fbi and within an hour they were able to identify her as 22-year-old Elizabeth Short. Um, her fingers were in the FBI database because she had once worked for Camp Cook in Northern California in 1943. And then later in 1943, she had been arrested in Santa Barbara for underage drinking. Um, and so that's kind of why she uh, 
was in the database. And so they were able to provide her mugshot to the press and they called her the Black Dahlia. Um, actually, do you know why they called her the Black Dahlia, Mom? Well, I know that um, it was because she often wears slick, slick black clothing and had her hair dyed black, but also because the movie The Blue Dahlia had recently come out. Yep. And um, that was the name of the club in the movie. And so, yeah, they kind of made that, you know, clever name for her because reporters do that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we'll kind of talk about it a little bit, but she definitely had gotten like pretty horrible things said about her in the press. So I just want to talk a little bit about Elizabeth before we get into the unfolding of the case and all of that. So um, Elizabeth was born on July 29th in 1924 in Boston, Massachusetts. She was the third of five daughters. Um, her father was a Navy sailor and her mother was a housewife. Um, in 1930, her father had lost a lot of his savings in the 1929 stock market crash. Um, and his car was along with many others. What? I said, along with many others who lost everything in the stock market crash. Yes. Yeah. Lots, lots of people um, lost things. Um, but in 1930, uh, after the crash, his, his car was found abandoned on the Charleston bridge. And they believed that he had um, taken his own life by jumping off the bridge. Um, but there was no body ever recovered. Um and Elizabeth from a young age had bronchitis and asthma. So living in Massachusetts was tough. So she would spend the winters in Florida with her aunt or other family friends. Um, and then in 1942, so 12 years after uh, her father disappeared, uh, her mother received a letter from her father revealing that he had started a new life in California. Um, and I guess at 18, Elizabeth was like, I haven't seen my dad in years and you know, whatever. So she actually went out to California to live with her dad. Um, and in 1943, she had moved out due to an argument she had had with her dad. Um, I'm not really sure what it was about, um, but that was kind of some of that history. Um, and then, as I mentioned, she worked for Camp Cook, and then she also had gotten arrested in Santa Barbara. So after her arrest, part of the conditions was that she had to return to Massachusetts. Um, but she actually just spent decided to spend her time in Florida and then would like occasionally visit family in Boston. Um, and then in 1944, she met an air force officer named major Matthew Gordon jr. And they were hoping to get married, but he actually died in a plane crash in 1945. Uh, I believe fighting and World so War sad. huh? That's so sad. Yeah, I know. So sad. Um, and so then in July of 1946, Elizabeth decided to relocate to L.A. Um, originally, she was visiting Lieutenant Joseph Gordon, who I believe was related to Matthew, um, and he was stationed in Long Beach. And so leading up to her death, she was working as a waitress in L.A. as well as an aspiring actress. Um, she hadn't really gotten any roles or anything, but she was trying to go on auditions and things. Um, and so about six months after her death, um, her death, not her death, six months after her arrival in LA, uh, on January 9th of 1947, she returned to Los Angeles from San Diego with her friend, Robert 
or Red Manley. Um, and Robert Manley was a 25-year-old salesman. Um, Elizabeth was seeing him, and apparently he was also married at the time. Um, but after returning from San Diego, he dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown. Apparently, Elizabeth was supposed to be meeting her sister, but um, who was visiting from Boston, and the staff did recall her in the lobby talking on the phone. Um, and then the, that's kind of the last confirmed sighting of Elizabeth. There was also a sighting that she had been seen by patrons of the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge, which is about a half a mile from the Biltmore. And then she was not seen alive again. Um, and I do want to say, I saw one documentary that mentioned she had been at the Cecil Hotel, which if like y'all don't know, the Cecil's a reportedly like very haunted, cursed kind of hotel in LA. There's nothing substantiating that. I think they're kind of playing up to the mystery of the hotel and the case. Um, yeah. But I thought that was an interesting thing I heard. I just didn't really include that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if that one's accurate, but I, yeah, I do think people like to connect anything that's in that area to the Cecil. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, and I mean, any anything like remotely spooky with the Cecil, right? It's kind of connected to it. Um, and so, as I mentioned before, after Elizabeth was identified, they really painted her pretty terribly in the press. They called her a sexual deviant. They claimed that she was a sex worker. Um, one paper claimed she knew 50 men at a time and that 25 men had been seen with her within two months of her murder. And like, I mean, as a person in this day and age, I understand like why it was like scandalous for Elizabeth to be seen with many men. But like, if she's a liberated woman doing her thing, like leave her alone, man. Um, and that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also called her a teaser of men and they speculated that she was a teaser of men because she was a lesbian. This has never been proven if she's queer, huh. but you know, again, why are we, why are we saying this about a woman who can't defend herself? Um, yeah. And I think probably the worst part of the press for me with this case was that they called her mother pretending that she had won a beauty contest and grilled her with questions about Elizabeth saying, oh, we're writing a piece about your daughter who, you know, won a beauty pageant. But like they hadn't announced that she had died yet. And then the reporter, after getting all of this information, revealed that Elizabeth had been murdered in a terrible way. And like, oh, wow, that's crazy. The idea, the idea that they thought that was okay is wild to me. Um, so, yeah. Um, and like I mentioned, I mean, what we really know about Elizabeth is in a sense. She was an L.A. hopeful. She really wanted to be an actress and um, make it in, a, in Hollywood. And she was working as a waitress. Um, but, you know a lot of the speculation in the press isn't real. And I just wanted to like give some background to Elizabeth before we got into the theories. Cause I think that's important. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? Since well, we and if, if, well, I was going to say if Robert Manley was one of the last people to see her, um, yeah. is he one of the suspects? Yes. Yes. I have him written down, but I wanted to go a little bit into what kind of happened after um, her body was found, and then we will get into suspects. So, okay. Um, 
The LAPD did believe that the killer had a medical background or at least skills in dissection because the body was so cleanly uh, cut. Um, and they actually investigated a group of students from USC's medical school. Um, and they also like took their fingerprints and tried to identify the killer with their prints, but there were no matches in the system. Um, and then on January 21st, the examiner, um, the LA examiner received a call from a person claiming to be the murderer. And he said he would send her belongings as proof of his claim. So three days later on the 21st, the examiner received Elizabeth's birth certificate, photos of her business cards, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen on the cover. Um, and there was also a very creepy letter made out of cut and pasted newspaper and magazine clippings, which read, Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers, here is Dahlia's belongings, letter to follow. Um, and it's important to note that all of the items were wiped down with gasoline to remove fingerprints, which seems really treacherous to like mail something that had been wiped down in gasoline, but that's just me. Um, and then... But I guess it worked in, in taking away any evidence or fingerprints. It did work. Um, and they were able to lift a partial print, but apparently after they lifted it, it was damaged in transport and unable to be analyzed. Um, so that is interesting that they had a partial print. Um, but then a couple days later, um, on the 26th of January, another letter arrived, which was handwritten this time. And it said, here it is. Turning in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun at, had my fun with police, Black Dahlia Avenger. Um, and the letter had a place and a time, um, as well as a location. And so the police went to this location and like waited, but no one showed up. And then there was a letter sent later that day um to the LA examiner with like the cutout kind of letter format that we saw before, which said, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. Um, and this was also wiped down with gasoline and there were no fingerprints. So it is kind of interesting that this guy is like sending in letters and then like, oh, I'm going to confess. I'm going to turn myself in and then didn't. Um, yeah. I'm like, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Very, very attention seeking. Kind of, kind of strange. Um, and at the time of the case, like in the 40s, there were over 750 investigators on it, and there were more than 150 suspects interviewed. And then this case was interesting, too, because it kind of had a similar vibe to other serial killers or, you know, big uh, crimes where a lot of people were confessing for the crime, but like were driven not to have done it. Um, so yeah. I think there were 60 confessions heard during the initial investigation and 500 to date have been noted. Um, yeah. So. Some... Which is crazy. Again, I just don't understand people that want to take credit for something so horrific. But there are a lot of people that want to. Yeah. And you would think, like, if you want to take credit for this, what have you done that you haven't taken credit for? Is like, something I think about. Like, yeah. you know, it just seems very weird um but yeah so um yeah so people were taking credit uh for the 
crime, but no one has been charged. None have really been deemed legitimate. And there have been a lot of theories. Um, initially, um, Robert Manley was considered a suspect, but after passing several polygraphs, he was considered no longer a suspect. I believe at one point he did um, confess to the crime. However, they were able to prove an alibi that it was not him. Um, there was also a man named Martin Lewis who had been connected with Elizabeth and he was cleared because he had been visiting family in Oregon. Um, and then in 1991, there was a woman named Janice Knowlton, and she claimed her father killed Elizabeth with a claw hammer, and she witnessed it, so she wrote a book about it. Um, at the time, she also claimed that her father had been sexually abusing her, um, and her claims weren't consistent with the facts of the case. Like, there were just a lot of things the police were like, well, what about this? And she was like, well, no, he was this way, or that type of thing. So they couldn't actually prove that um, even just some of the basics were true about this claim. Um, so it's been largely dismissed. Um, and then there's a really famous sort of theory that I've always found interesting, which is that a former LAPD detective named Steve Hodel um, believes that his father who passed away on in 1999 killed the black dahlia um and i guess it was after his dad died he found two photos of a woman who pretty much looked exactly like elizabeth in his dad's belongings um and so he decided to investigate his father george hodel and he went really gung-ho like he um filed a freedom of information act to obtain the fbi FBI files. Um, there was a handwriting expert which compared the samples um, from the Dahlia letter as well to his father's known handwriting. And there was like a strong possibility that it was a match, but then it was also deemed inconclusive. But I think handwriting is kind of a bogus science anyway. Um, George Hodel was also a doctor. Um, and I guess the wounds that Elizabeth had endured were similar to a hemicorporectomy, which was a procedure where you would slice the body below the lumbar spine. And I guess while Hodel was in medical school in the 1930s, this procedure was being taught to medical students. Um, and then his father had some archives at UCLA where he was a doctor and there was a folder containing contract or like contractor receipts for work that had been done on his childhood home. And a few days before the murder, there was a receipt for a large bag of concrete, which was the same brand and size of the bag found by Short's body, which most likely transported her body. Um, yeah. And then, so Steve Hodel did end up publishing his findings in a book called The Black Dahlia Avenger, The True Story. Um, and during a fact-checking phase of the book, one of the publishers kind of found that there was a list of six kind of concrete suspects that the police believed would be one and George was listed as one of the suspects um mm -hmm. and he was considered serious enough a suspect that his home had been bugged in 1950 um and there was a really sketchy recording that kind of stood out that also pointed at this a little bit which said yeah um 8 25 p.m woman screamed 
Woman screamed again. And then, just so y'all know, it should be noted, woman was not heard before the scream. And then later that day, he was overheard telling someone, there was nothing I could do, put a pillow over her head and cover her with a blanket. Get a taxi. Expired 1259. They have thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. Uh, so <laughs> whether or not um george did kill the black dahlia that is a very damning piece of evidence i think i would say so um and he was never formally charged for the murders and something else about george that's interesting is that he had been accused of um sexually abusing his stepdaughter and those charges were dismissed eventually and i believe he was like a very busy bachelor. Like he had 11 kids from nine different women or something. Like he just like seemed kind of like a skeezy guy when it came to women. Um, so, you know, say what you will. I'm not really sure. Um, but Steve also found details from other murders that could implicate his father, um, suggesting he could have been a serial killer as well. Um, but in 2004, um, kind of wrapping up George is that the head deputy for the DA's office said if George was still alive, there was enough to indict him for murder. So I do think that's a very interesting claim from a DA's office. They were very clear this he was speaking as himself and not on behalf of the DA's office, but it is interesting that he felt that there was enough evidence. Um, and this kind of leads into this idea that like there was some corruption at the LAPD um, at the time. There yeah. was definitely proof um with different like mob ties and things um and so because this was the 40s this was kind of prime la corruption mob ties time some people thought you know george or some of the other suspects could pay their way to get off of the lists um so another really famous suspect that came to light recently well, before before we go into other suspects can i say some more about george from my research Oh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. So um, in terms of, like, him supposedly molesting Tamar, um, his daughter, um, you know, she had reported to the police that he tried to teach her about oral sex, and she was only 11 at, at the time. Mm -hmm. And then by 14, she said that he would pass her around to his friends for sex and that he would also have sex with her. And then when she was 15, she gave birth to a baby named Fauna that was adopted to a family in Nevada. Oh, wow. And then um, he was cleared of the incest charges, but only because the family members testified that Tamara was lying. But because he was the primary breadwinner for the family, it was believed that they didn't want to see him go to jail because then they would have nobody to provide for them. And so wow. that that's why he lied or that's why they lied. And then um, shortly after that, he uh, fled to the Philippines mm -hmm. and he lived there for a time. Um, and then in 1967, a woman in Manila was filmed, murdered and posed in an empty lot, very similarly to the way the Black Dahlia was closed. Oh, wow. And George only lived a half a mile from that lot. Yeah. And then um, there was also the way that she was posed. Apparently, he had an, a surrealist artist friend named Man Ray, mm -hmm. and um, 
there was a piece of work by Man Ray um, that was uh, the Minotaur, which is the mythical beast that like devour young maidens. Mm-hmm. And they said that the way that the horns or the arms were positioned, it re- represented the horns of the Minotaur. Oh, wow. And that George would often say that um, he idolized Man Ray and wanted to be an artist as well. And so maybe this was a way that he tried to be an artist was with a human form. Hmm. Um, and then in 2012, Steve Hodel, the cop that's accusing his dad, mm-hmm. um, took a crew to his family home with mm-hmm. a, another detective and a search dog. Mm-hmm. And they hit on several spots where human remains were detected. Oh, now, wow. they couldn't like be sure that that meant that, you know, because like there had been work and things had been moved around. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, they couldn't be sure if it was like water or wind or anything, but there was definitely an area behind the house that showed human decomposition. And they said the time of death would have been 20 to 100 years ago. So that's a big range. Yeah. But that would have fit in the timeline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there was another, um, there was another um, quote that they caught on the surveillance that said, this is one of the best payoffs I've seen between law enforcement ag- agencies. I'd like to get a connection made with the DA's office. Mm-hmm. And um, because so many of those records were destroyed and the tapes were destroyed, they only had partial transcripts that they could read. People mm-hmm. think that this is the cover up that, that he was talking about was that they let him get away with this murder. Wow. Yeah, I definitely read that he had like fled to the Philippines, but I didn't know all of the details about the house and stuff. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, and then John Douglas, who is the former head of the FBI Serial Crimes Division, mm-hmm. and he's the guy that um, his profiling inspired Netflix's show uh, Mindhunter. Yeah, he's great. But he had in his yeah. But in his profiling, he said this is not random, that the killer knew her well and felt like she had wronged him. Mm-hmm. And there were people that said that they had had a relationship, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they just couldn't have, they didn't have like concrete proof. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, but that goes back to, you know, if there was any police cover up kind of thing. Um, and the articles that I read about that were saying that, um, you know, he was aware of, um, you know, corrupt, corrupt LAPD that were involved in prostitution and abortion rings. And this was CBS 48 that did this reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then because he was aware of that corruption, that they, the police didn't want their misdeeds to come to light. So they covered up for him. Hmm. I mean, that makes sense. Logic wise. I mean, Yeah. Like, if they covered up a murder, I could see them not wanting to cover it up. Like, have the fact that they covered it up uncovered, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so to me, he seems like a very viable suspect, but... Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think he is one of the more convincing suspects. Because um, he just overall doesn't seem like a great guy. And then, like, clearly there's evidence that, like he could have been capable of this or that he knew Elizabeth and that type of thing. So he's pretty convincing to me. Yeah. Um, and the photos, you know, I know the photos, there was a um, forensic artist, Sunny Chapman, 
mm-hmm. that she says, although there's similarities between the pictures and um, Elizabeth Smart, that she's 85% sure the photos are not Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think the photos were pretty similar. I mean, not identical. And obviously her hair wasn't dyed black in those photos. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I know that was a thing too, her saying that because the photos, she didn't agree that those were Elizabeth Smart, that that would mean that you know, George was not responsible, but I don't know if I believe that because it seems like there's an, enough other similarities. And then he also drove a 1936 black Packard that looks similar to what witnesses described seeing the morning that her body was dumped. Oh, interesting. So I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of things that tie him to this. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think he's sketchy. <laughs> I yeah. think he, he's a possibility for sure. Um, I think a lot of people in my research have kind of decided George was the killer too. Um, they're just like, it's, yeah. it just seems like it's him. Um, so that's definitely yeah. one of the bigger ones, um, I have, but I do have like one more little, little case here, um, or not case, but suspect, but it was in 2017, an author named, I believe it's pronounced Pew Eatwell. Um, but she had so- she claimed she had solved the case in a book called Black Dahlia, Red Rose, The Crime, Corruption, and Cover-Up of America's Greatest Unsolved Murder. Um, mm-hmm. And so she named a man called Leslie Dillon as the Dahlia murderer. Um, and he claimed that um, he murdered Elizabeth Short at the behest of Mark Hansen, which I don't know if y'all remember, I mentioned him earlier. Um, but Mark Hansen was a nightclub and movie theater owner, and he was originally considered a suspect, but let go. And because his name was on the address book that had been found with Elizabeth's body, um, yeah, he kind of claimed that he gave it to Short as a gift. But, um, you know, it is interesting that she had a address book with his name on it. Um, yeah, but the interesting thing is that killers sent that to the police so were the killers trying to throw the police off by sending an address book with his name on it oh i totally think the killer's just being shady man (laughs) yeah but um elizabeth had reportedly stayed with hansen for a few nights and he was one of the last people to have spoken to her before her death um at least on the record and eatwell alleges that he was infatuated with her and that she continually rebuffed his advances so the idea was that he had called on Dylan to take care of her and he ended up killing Elizabeth Short. Um, so a little bit about Leslie Dylan. So he had worked as a mortician's assistant. And so people believed that he would have known how to like bleed a body dry and how to dissect a body, that type of thing. Um, and apparently Dylan knew a very gruesome and specific detail from the crime scene that had not yet been released to the public which was that she had a tattoo of a rose on her thigh, which was cut out and placed inside of her body. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a very specific detail. I don't think I could have come up with that myself personally. Um, Yeah. But he claimed that he was a crime writer and he was working on a book about the case. And this book was never released. but he also apparently had connections in the LAPD. Um, and so other people do believe that due to corruption within the LAPD, he was able to avoid conviction. 
Um, there was also a potential crime scene mentioned at the Astor uh, Motel near USC, um, which was on uh, January 15th. Uh, the owner of the hotel opened the door to one of the cabins and found the room covered in blood and fecal matter. And then in another like cabin in this hotel, he found um, a bundle of women's clothes wrapped in browned paper and stained with blood. And I guess Hoffman kind of covered up the crime scene because he had a previous run-in with the police uh, for beating his wife a few days earlier and wanted to avoid running into the police again. Um, mm-hmm. Which like trash man, don't beat your wife. Um, yeah. And then they also, you know, there were reports that a woman resembling short had been seen near the hotel in the days before she was murdered. So, um, or she was discovered. I mean, so it is an interesting theory, um, but that's really all the kind of bread I found to it. Did you find anything else to Dylan's case? <laughs> um, yeah, the only um, things that I saw were that, um, you know, the gangster squad, which is what the people were called who were in charge of investigating, they came close to arresting him mm-hmm. after he sent a letter under the pseudonym Jack Sand. Um and in the letter, he suggested that an acquaintance, Jeff Connors, killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, and there was like a psychiatrist that thought that person was like a figment of his imagination and that he was like delusional. But it turns out that person was real. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, but another source says that it was proven that it could not have been Leslie because on the night of her murder, he was in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, but I only saw one source that said that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, but he, also... he definitely seemed like he was a prime suspect. Yeah. I mean, and he definitely seems like someone who could have. I think I like George Hodel as a suspect more. Um, yeah. I don't know that. Um, but yeah. And then my last kind of like mention was that um, there were a couple different murders um, or connections to other cases that they found Elizabeth could have been a part of. So one was the Cleveland Torso murders, which happened from 1934 to 1938. Um, They believed whoever that killer was could have killed Elizabeth Short. Um, We'll get into that case with more detail later, but that case definitely targeted um, like vagrants and sex workers in the Cleveland area and Elliot Ness, who is a really huge investigator and took down some of Capone's dens and things, um, was involved in that case and it baffled him. Like it kind of sent him to a forced retirement. He could not figure this case out. Um, so that's a fascinating one we definitely should cover later. Um, and there were, you know, parts of bodies found and things like that. So I think that's the main reason why people believe that was connected. Um And then they also linked her to the lipstick murders. And I tried to look that up and I found a lot of different options. So I'm not quite sure which one they were referring to. Um, But they also thought that she could have been related to the murder of Jean French in uh, February of 1947, which also happened in LA. Um, And so there were a few links to potential other cases. but there was not enough substantial evidence to include them as a part of her case. So um, that's all. Yeah, and the Jean French, yeah, the Jean French one, um, 
you know, part of the reason why people thought she was linked um, to that, you know, that Black Dahlia was associated with that murder mm-hmm. was because written in lipstick on her stomach was fuck you. And then it looked like baby. So mm. people were thinking that meant Black Dahlia. Yeah. And then the coroner says it was Petey. And so like, fuck you, police department. Oh. Um, I don't know. I saw the picture. I think it looks like a BD, but um, but the coroner says it was P. So I don't know. But I know that was why those two were like associated. But people said the press misrepresented that. Okay. Um, and then the LA Examiner did publish 11 points of similarities between those two cases. Mm-hmm. But that case also remains unsolved. So it was never, even though there were some similarities, they were never officially like said that it was the same suspect. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I do think that's interesting though. I mean, I I feel like the severity of Elizabeth's murder to me could have either been like a really messed up serial killer or it was like something very personal. I think are my two kind of yeah. Her. Like, I don't think that was like some, you know, random one-off type of murder. It was definitely intentional and for a reason. Yeah. Um, So it, w- it wouldn't shock me if she was linked either to the French case. I mean, the torso murders, I think, is a little bit different. Um, Like I said, we'll cover that one later. But um, yeah, I don't know. But did you find any other suspects that you wanted to mention or anything like that? No, I mean, those were the main ones that I saw. Um, and then, yeah, the um, torso murders. Um, it says that most sources said that it was proven not to be a link. Uh, but in 1980, Detective St. John, who is investigating the torso suspects, mm-hmm. um, he was investigating Jack Anderson Wilson, who um, he said he was close to arresting Wilson when he died in 1982. Mm-hmm. Um and then that theory got more attention when Unsolved Mysteries co- covered it in 1992, 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like to me, it seemed like, you know, because uh, William George um, Harlings was convicted of the um, other murders, you know, you would think that if he, you know, they would have made that connection, I think, if it was him. So, you know, it seemed like it's not him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, the torso murders are still unsolved. I've definitely seen it recently on other shows. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think personally it's linked to Elizabeth. Like that one was very, like they would find like just a torso or like a person's arms or like they would find parts of a body, but never the whole body. Um, Yeah. So to me, I'm like, that just seems like a very different MO. Um. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry. It was um, William George Herons was um, the lipstick murders in Chicago that they were trying to say he was connected. He was convicted of those and not this. So, you know, I think that, yeah, they would have been able to make that connection, I think. And he like ended up taking responsibility for those. So, yeah, why wouldn't he take responsibility for this if he was associated? So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That was a good point. Yeah. 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 But yeah, for me, I think it's George. I definitely think it's Dr. George. I mean, even just like the whole he wanted to be an artist, like the way that she was posed and she he clearly wanted her to be seen. He and I mean she was in a lot right off of the sidewalk where it would be easy to see her. Like to me, mm-hmm. 
you know, he, he thought he was being an artist, you know, he thought he was like doing performative things. So, um, I don't know, to me, he seems like the most likely and the fact, fact that he like ran off to the Philippines for a long time and, and didn't come back until he was an older man and close to death. Like to me, he just seems super sketch. Yeah. And I, you know, it does sound like he was an overall bad guy. You know, I tend to believe the daughter and, um, Yeah, absolutely. you know, I, I have seen that over and over again where people, um, don't tell the truth about crimes that are happening because it would hurt their finances. So, you know, Yeah. to me, it would make sense if the family didn't want to see him go to jail for those crimes because they needed the money. So I don't know. To me, he just sounds like an overall bad guy. Yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting to read Steve's book about George as well, because I'm sure he would have a lot of insight into his relationship with his dad or, you know, anything like that. Because, um, yeah, to me, he doesn't sound like a good guy. He sounds like a definite, like, probable suspect. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. So he's my top choice. But, you know, I just want to say, you know, so sad as 22 year old woman, you know, coming to L.A. with dreams of, you know, stardom and and just wanting to start a life here and, you know, having something like this happen. And, you know, I don't care how many men were in the address book or how many people she had spent time with. It's nobody's business. And she did not deserve this. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Like, like I said, the idea that they were like trying to slander her name or say bad things about her, Yeah. this horrible murder to me just isn't okay um, at all. So. Why not such a common thing, right? To talk badly about a victim of such a horrific murder, you know, and it's like, I don't know why that would be necessary, you know, because again, I don't care what kind of person she was, she didn't deserve this. And, you know, but to make it about that, instead of making it about what happened to her and catching the motherfucker that did it, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I just feel, I, I would love, I would love for them to be able to prove um, who her killer was for her to have justice. But I think that's pretty hard. We're approaching 80 years, almost 80 years of this case. So um, yeah yeah. and if it's there was any police cover-up you know I just it it's so that's so scary to think that even when it's something that's so in the public eye that there could be so cover-ups that are gotten away with it's like very frustrating if that's true I mean obviously that's just a theory but if that's true it's it's really sad Yeah. It's a theory, but I think it's also a valid theory, you know, like I think there have been so many Yeah. there have been things where you're like, this was obviously covered up just because of, you know, gaps in the story or whatever. So I think it's very interesting. Um, well, did you have anything else to add about Miss Elizabeth Short or? any of the cases. I think that's it, but she was beautiful. She deserved better, and I hope she is resting in peace. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope she's having a, a restful afterlife and she's the star of her own stage or screen up there. Um, but well, I appreciate you um, putting up with me accidentally stealing your topic. I am so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We should probably coordinate these things, but I like to surprise you with what I'm working on. I know, I know. I was like, I was like, well, like, 
I was totally like in my head and I was working on something and I'm going to get that one out probably as my next episode, but I was totally working on it and was like, man, this is going to take forever. And then I went down a rabbit hole and then I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this in time. So I was like, I know I can do this in time. And then here we are. <laughs> that's okay. Well, we had some information that was different. So that's good. That is good. It was more collaborative. Coordinated a lot. We coordinated. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, great. Well, um, well, friends, if you like this episode, please like, rate it, subscribe all on the podcast streaming platforms, wherever you get them. And then uh, keep following on Instagram. Uh, we are also looking for any sort of listeners episode submissions for any of you. If um, you had a brush in with a murderer, if you saw a ghost, an alien, a uh, or a UFO, or maybe you know something about the Black Dahlia case, that would be really cool. Um, anything like that, please reach out to us either at whatthealepod at gmail.com, or you could follow us on Instagram at whatthealepod and DM us, either way works. Um, and then outside of that, I just want to say I appreciate you, mama. I appreciate you, baby girl. All righty. See you later, friends. Bye. Good night. Bye.